the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 942-40. The following program is sponsored by the Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Paul's saying, you know what matters most? Faith in Jesus Christ. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Owning Him as your Savior and your Lord. Having Him as a friend. Paul is saying, I was alone, but I wasn't alone. And remember, he's in the Marmotime prison. It's a wonderful thing to live in the company of the Lord Jesus and to die in his company. we have in Jesus. That's our subject today on Know the Truth. Pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy is encouraging us to stick close to Jesus and the good friends who strengthen our gospel commitment. There's no denying that both children and adults are influenced by the company they keep. So we need to pick our friends wisely. It's a subject the Apostle Paul addressed in his second and last letter to the young pastor, Timothy. Let's join Philip now for a message called, What Matters Most? We're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 22. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's about to die. So this is Paul's last few paragraphs, because this is his last letter. I'm guessing he's going to be focused on the things that really matter. And if this is your last kind of, you know, letter, and these are the last words in your letter, I'm guessing you've got a priority list going on here somewhere. And I started to look at it, and several things jumped out. And I've come up with this outline, and it's this, that you know what? Friendship matters most. Faithfulness matters most. Forgiveness matters most. Faith matters most. And forever matters most. What matters most? That should matter to us. You don't want to come to the end of your life having just allowed your days not to amount to much. Number your days and apply your heart to wisdom. And here are five things that should matter. Let's start with the first one, friendship. Friendship matters. Now, we read here of this intimacy, this deep and abiding relationship between Timothy and Paul. Look at verse 2 of chapter 1. To Timothy, a beloved son. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son. Paul is at the end of his life. He dispatches a correspondence off to this young man he loves deeply, urging him to be faithful to that which Paul's been faithful to, namely the treasure of the gospel. And so it shouldn't surprise us when we come to the end of this letter, he's dying for Timothy to come, because that's his son in the faith. Come quickly. But beyond that, we shouldn't be surprised at the end of this letter that Paul mentions other people who are dear and near to him fellow workers in the gospel, those he has done mission with. 
When you come here to this chapter, there are 19 people specifically named, 16 men, two women, and the Lord Jesus, who is the friend of all friends. So what's the point? It's a very simple one. Paul's writing his last few words, and included in that correspondence is updates and directions to his friends. He sends some of them. He scolds some of them. He salutes some of them. And he summons some of them. He writes with a sense of need. And so he wants some of his friends to come and minister to him physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Bring me a coat. I'm freezing. Bring me some books. I want to study. And come and join me. Let's pray together and fortify my soul because I think it's all over for me. Paul's dying and he treasures them because what matters most in life? Number one, friendships. Number two, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Because if you reread these verses, you're going to see that Paul is isolated and abandoned and he has faced opposition for his gospel commitment. Notice that verse 10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. I don't believe that Demas forsook Christ. I don't believe he was an apostate. I believe that he took cold feet. I believe the thought of this present world, convenience and comfort, drove him back to Thessalonica, where there was a church. But he didn't want to stand with Paul, because that came at a cost. And his love for his own preservation caused him to betray his friend. And that's there. Alexander the coppersmith, according to verse 14, does Paul much harm and opposes him and has stood in my way and he warns Timothy about him, which again would point to the fact he's somewhere in Ephesus. And Paul says, I just give him over to God. Then you've got the fact, verse 16, that no one stands with Paul, right? He's by himself. So nobody at the church of Rome, where Paul is in Rome, they were a no-show. Well, he's got Luke only look. He's wanting Timothy to come soon. But there he stands as a lonely soldier committed to the gospel. But that's okay for Paul. He wished it was otherwise, but whatever they do is not going to determine what he does, and so he remains faithful. That's where Paul is, because in the end, gospel commitment matters. Everything is secondary to his commitment to the gospel. He even wants books to study the gospel. He wants his friends to help him die for the gospel. He wants to know that the churches across the empire are being served by gospel ministers who are faithful. Oh, we have families to raise. We have businesses to do. We have housework to keep up with. We have friendships to develop. We have places to go on and on. That's life, and it's all part of life. But it should all revolve and orbit around the gospel. I'm raising my kids in the gospel. I'm in the Word learning about the gospel. I go to a gospel-preaching church. I share the gospel. And I'm weary of men in the church today who are diluting the gospel. I reread the story recently. It was challenging. I move on with this thought. Athanasius. Learn about old Athanasius. Long gone. Fourth century. Bishop of Alexandria but faithful to the gospel. Because around his time, there was a heresy that was infecting the church. And it was this idea that Jesus is a godlike figure, but he's not God. And this was being perpetuated by a man called 
Arius. You'll meet some of his friends today on your doorstep. They're called Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. And they believe that Jesus was created. Well, he may have created some things, but he himself was created. In fact, the famous Arius statement is, there was a time when the Son was not. Arius argues there was a time when Jesus didn't exist. He's not equal to the Father. He's not fully God. God-like, but not fully God. And Athanasius says, hold on a minute, that's false. That's wrong. That's deceptive. And he would go to all the watering holes that we would go to. Thomas saying, my Lord and my God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so Athanasius takes Arius on. And it all comes to a head around A.D. 325 at a council in Nicaea called the Council of Nicaea. And the church gathers, and the majority embrace Athanasius' position. And there's a statement there about the fact that Jesus is fully God, always has been. You would think that battle was over, but Arius continues to cause trouble. In fact, he even gets the ear of Constantine, the emperor, and he kind of falls into the Arian heresy. Several other empires did that. And so Athanasius kept the fight up, And he was exiled, I think, six times out of his parish by emperors. He escaped death. He was willing to die, but he never had to pay that ultimate price. And according to history, he stands before one of the emperors, Theodosius. And Theodosius gets a little frustrated with him and says, Athanasius, do you not realize the world is against you? Because it seems even after Nicaea, the church went backwards. Arius was in the ascendancy again. Athanasius, do you not realize the world is against you? To which he famously replies, then I'm against the world. And we have a famous Latin statement concerning him. Athanasius contra mundum. Athanasius against the world. It's a great story. And it's a page out of church history that should inspire us. Just like Paul At my first defense, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. Athanasius contra mundum, Athanasius against the world, standing alone. But you know what? You won't mind standing alone for Jesus Christ in time when you know you're going to stand with him for all eternity. That's a price worth paying. Let's keep moving on. What matters most? I want to know that. I don't want to flitter away my life. I want to put the price tags where they really belong. Friendship matters most. Faithfulness matters most. Forgiveness matters most. Go to verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Man, you know, talk about letting the side down. What's your reaction, Paul? May it not be charged against them. That's powerful. He forgave them. He didn't spend a lot of time on that. He was sweet, not sour. And he prayed that God would forgive them. He's showing a contentment here in his circumstances. He wasn't down. He wasn't down on himself. And amazingly, he wasn't down on others that hurt him. And here's another great lesson. Do you know what? As you go through life, keep short accounts. You know? And Paul learns to pray a prayer that's not original to him, by the way. He had heard this prayer from the mouth of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Go back to Acts 7, verse 60. Paul is not a believer. 
He's actually party to the hounding of God's people. He's actually party to the martyrdom of the first Christian, Stephen. And as the stones rain down on Stephen, we read in Acts 7 and verse 60 that Stephen prayed this. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And he fell asleep. That means he was killed by stones and fell asleep in the Lord Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? Praying that God would forgive the very people that's killing you. But you know that's not original to Stephen. Because on the cross, Jesus prays what? In Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that was addressed to the crowd at large, certainly addressed to the soldiers that had beaten him, stripped him naked, and were gambling for his clothes at the bottom of the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's powerful. And we have here a model of the way we're to live and the way we're to die. We're to die having forgiven people that have hurt us. You see, what happened to Paul can happen to us. In fact, it may be happening to you right now. There are people in your life who are disappointing you, hurting you, not holding up their end of the bargain. So here's the issue. The issue isn't what happens to you. The issue is how you handle what happens to you. So the issue is never what happens to you. The issue is always what's going to happen to what happens to you. Are you going to let it make you bitter? Are you going to let it make you better? Are you going to react like the world? And punch back, or are you going to react like a Christian who was taught by Jesus Christ, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us? Are you going to allow the culture to dictate your reaction, your emotions to dictate your reaction, or the example of Jesus Christ on the cross to dictate your reaction? You've got two options. Number one, you can fan the smoldering embers of a burning resentment into a destructive flame, and you can burn the place down and watch your house burn down and your life crumble into a sorry state of bitterness and anger. Or you can bury the hatchet at the foot of the cross without the handle sticking up. Because some of us bury the hatchet with the handle sticking up just in case we have to go back. That's not forgiveness, and it's not forgetting. But you and I can go to the foot of the cross with that person in mind, having done all we can perhaps to reconcile, done all we can to go the second mile, done all we can to live peaceably, but we're not getting very far. So what are you going to do? What's going to happen to what happened to you? You're going to take the hatchet and bury it at the foot of the cross without the handle sticking up. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Stephen did. And I admire Paul who says at the very end of his life, about people who let him down, I pray that it will not be charged to their account. He didn't have their names in a little black book. He didn't carry a big long list. The cross and the gospel doesn't allow them to do that. And you never want to go to your deathbed holding on to grudges. I like what Paul Powell, Southern Baptist, says, bitterness is an emotional cancer. If you do not rid yourself of it, it will ultimately consume you. It will shrivel your soul like a raisin. Carrying resentments in your heart is like carrying a bag of stones. The longer you carry them, the heavier they become. And if you aren't careful, you will eventually stumble beneath the weight of them and be crushed by them. So go on, collect postage stamps, 
collect coins, collect bubblegum cards if you must, but don't collect resentment. Come on, aren't some of you tired carrying that bag of stones? Just gets heavier. Slows you down in life. Get your eyes off Jesus. It's no way to live, and it's certainly no way to die with a big bag full of resentment for people you should have forgiven a long time ago. Let's keep moving. Faith matters most. Pastor, where do you get this thought? Well, look at verse 17. In fact, let's read verse 16, because then it has the kind of wallop. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged to them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It's beautiful. Paul's saying, you know what matters most? Faith in Jesus Christ. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Owning Him as your Savior and your Lord. Having Him as a friend. And He comes and changes your life, forgives your sin, puts purpose to your days, and He supplies grace and love and mercy along the way so that you might live for His glory. Paul is saying, I was alone, but I wasn't alone. And remember, he's in the Marmotime prison right now, which was constructed by the Romans to suck the soul out of a man. It was dark, it was dingy, it was deep, and it was damp. It was on the northwest corner of the Roman Forum. It wasn't far from the commercial center of the city. And so while the prisoners weren't able to get out, they could hear life going on just outside. Talk about salt in the wound. And then entrance into it was at a very public place. And so often families didn't go in to see loved ones because they would be associated with someone inside Marmotime prison, which was where those were held on death row, and they just didn't want the public scandal or the embarrassment. Maybe that explains why no one stood with Paul. And Paul's there all alone, but he's not alone. Because Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a wonderful thing to live in the company of the Lord Jesus and to die in his company. A couple of things about this just quickly. As we look at this little section, verses 17 to 18, I want you to see the Lord's power. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Love that. He assisted me to persevere. I am sensing there's grace for me to die victoriously as a martyr. The word strengthen means to be poured into or to have power given. Like an intravenous drip to a dehydrated man. Christ is pouring in grace to Paul to inflate his spirit, put steel into his backbone, put hope into his eyes to allow him to die faithfully for the gospel. Wasn't it David Livingstone who spent, what, 30 years in Africa evangelizing, exploring, who said he was able to do, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. He was famous for saying, and that is the word of a gentleman of the sacredest honor. It is the word of a gentleman. Jesus will keep his promise, never leave us or forsake us. And I love that. It's one of the most beautiful, I think, verses in the New Testament. All forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. So you've got the Lord's power. Secondly, you've got the Lord's protection. 
the Lord was with me, strengthened me. Look at verse 17, the end. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, this is a verse that has troubled some commentators. They're not sure what to do with it because if you know your history, and Paul was a Roman citizen, Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. That's why Paul will be beheaded. And Roman citizens were never sent to the arena to be fed to the beasts. So when Paul says here, I was delivered from the mouth of a lion, we go, well, if you're a Roman citizen, what lion are you talking about? Well, could it be a reference to Satan? Could be. You've got 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. You have an adversary, the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking him in made of our. So that might be a reference to the fact that the Lord Jesus delivered him from some of Satan's traps and opposition. Could well be. Other commentators argue it could be a reference to Roman political officials. Paul has, you know, escaped many a time uh, situations where he's arrested and then released. Because in Daniel 7, the prophet Daniel likens Gentile political powers to several beasts. Could Paul be referencing here the Roman Empire, Roman authorities? Either way, we can't be sure. But what is sure is that God delivered him. Somehow his head was in a noose and he escaped. Somehow it looked like he was heading for shipwrecked and he stayed afloat. Just a wonderful thing that when you and I are going about the Lord's business and doing the work of his kingdom, we can be sure that he's going to be with us. And he's not only going to be with us, he's for us. And he's against those who are against us. And so Paul says, hey, the Lord reprieved me, delivered me. Didn't David say that? In Psalm 23, verse 5, you spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. If you missed any part of today's study, you can download the message for free online at ktt.org. At Know the Truth, we're here to equip you with God's life-giving Word to deepen your relationship with God and your fellow believers. If you've benefited from this daily Bible teaching in Philip DeCourcy, We hope you'll stand with us today and give. And today, Philip is back now with us in the studio to relate a bit of history. Hi, Wayne. You know my my love of history. I incorporate historical events into into my sermons. And and I've often used the imagery of the Greek and Roman armies and their uh, phalanx, the way their soldiers would kind of come alongside each other. Uh, I mean, the Roman army was formidable. Soldiers would stand side by side, shield to shield, and create this wall. And I've often used that in the context of local church ministry. You know, we do more together. And what's true of uh, my church and any church is also true of this radio ministry. Um, We need our listeners uh, to join hands with us and help us to continue to uh, move forward into 2019 as 2018 comes uh, comes to an end. Uh, We would love them to step forward and join us at the front lines of the proclamation of God's Word. We can't do it alone. We have uh, a line of troops uh, from present supporters and prayer warriors and people in our ministry, but we want that line to stretch further and further. We need an army of uh, supporters that will help us to continue to grow. Don't sit on the sidelines. Come alongside us. Join our ranks. And you can do that in a very, very practical way today. We'd ask you to consider making a donation. Sit down, write a check. Um, Send something in the post. Better still, go online and connect with us at ktt.org. 
Yes, thank you, Philip. And we hope you will be one of those who will step forward to give at this crucial time of year. Consider a generous year-end gift of $25, $50, even $100 or $1,000. Again, you can make that donation online at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. Of course, you can also write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And when you give, we'll send you the brand new Know the Truth Journal. We've prepared this resource as a special thank you for everyone who gives this month. Use the KTT Journal for note-taking when Philip begins a brand new series titled Total Grace. That's coming up in January. Again, the journal is yours when you make a generous year-end donation at ktt.org. And here's wishing you a beautiful and blessed weekend. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us next time for more Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John MacArthur, join me for today's Portraits of Grace. After World War II, the United Nations was created to promote world peace. But since its inception in 1945, there has not been a single day of complete global peace. That's a sad commentary on man's inability to make peace, isn't it? In fact, someone once quipped that Washington, D.C. has so many peace monuments because officials build one after every war. Well, in the future, Jesus will return to establish a kingdom of peace that will usher us into an eternal age of peace. In the meantime, he uses believers to proclaim the gospel of peace to a spiritually war-torn society. I pray you'll be a faithful ambassador of the gospel of peace. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as portraits of grace. This is... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.